hosting the Two Blokes Talking Tech. Proudly provided by Web Central. Now, it's time for Two Blokes Talking Tech. There is a lot going on in technology, as always. About fantastic to get these speeds on a mobile phone, isn't it? The speeds on this thing are amazing. Two blokes talking tech. Very nice, snappy performance. It's a good phone. Yeah, there's a few pros and cons with this. With Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is... And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. I really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two blokes talking tech. Stephen and Trevor are always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. And thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Uh, if you're tuning in to listen to one bloke talking cars or uh, two girls talking fashion or a husband and wife talking parenting, sorry, wrong podcast. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech, where myself, Trevor Long from EFTM.com.au, is joined each and every week by Stephen Fennick from TechGuide.com.au. And the man himself is in Berlin for the huge IFA trade show. We'll talk about that shortly. But, mate, g'day and welcome. Thanks a lot, Trev. Yeah, over here in sunny Berlin. Uh, this is a big trade show, this one, uh, in the lead up to Christmas. A lot of companies here that want to get their products out before that big Christmas rush. And, and before we, we talk about a couple of specific things going on over there, let's just set the scene on it. Um, and we do it all thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au, proud sponsors of Two Blokes Talking Tech. Um, IFA, I guess, is kind of a second half of the year CES, uh, very much dedicated towards looking at what's happening with the uh, uh, w- with with Christmas coming up, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, you're right. It's the biggest trade show in Europe. It's kind of the European version of CES. Uh, it's it's this time every year, and it, companies see this as kind of their second half of the year strategy, where the, the, this is really this important lead up time to Christmas. Uh, so a lot of companies take this opportunity to release new products. So we're talking uh, mobile products. There's a wide range of also AV products. There's even a, a, a huge array of appliances. Being a European trade show, all your big companies like Bosch and Miele, all these appliances as well. But um, for this podcast, we'll be concentrating on mainly the consumer tech releases uh, from, the, from all your major companies, but uh, mainly Samsung and Sony to begin with. They're the ones who have uh, kicked kicked it off with press conferences before the uh, beginning of the show. All right, we'll kick it off. We'll get cracking on Two Blokes Talking Tech here. Thanks to the good people at Netgear. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen. And because Stephen's on the other side of the world, I'll take control of getting into and out of the segments because, uh, you know, we want to have the great, great service and quality you expect from Two Blokes Talking Tech. And, mate, Aoife, Samsung and Sony, big announcements overnight. Yeah, well, uh, kicking off with uh, with Sony, they've they've really sort of uh, raised the bar with their smartphone range. Now, I'm already a big fan of the Xperia Z2 uh, and the previous versions of that Xperia handset, but mate, they've really they've really taken it to the next level in terms of design, in terms of features, and really leveraging the expertise across the company and funneling it all into one device. Now, the Z3 has got a 5.2-inch screen. The Z3 Compact has a 4.6-inch screen. Now, both virtually the same, apart from the size of the screen and the resolution of the screen, both the same proposition in terms of feature sets and processor. But uh, as I said, they've really brought in their triluminous technology for the display. They've brought in their, their Exmor sensor technology for the camera. And they've also brought in their audio technology. So it's got like an upscaling capability so you can hear your audio at a, at a greater quality. 
Uh, and they've also brought in the gaming aspect with PlayStation 4 remote play capabilities. And all of that stuff, the kind of things we've we've seen them, because this has been, I mean, I've got to tell you, it's been years. So they've been telling us about the integration and, you know, Bravia screens and PlayStation and stuff. What are you seeing on this that, um, so, I, you know, I've got a Z2, I love it. So people that have seen or, or, or like the Z2, what are the key fundamental differences in, in the phone uh, in terms of, I guess, physical look and feel, let alone, um, you know, process of features and stuff like that? Yeah, well, in terms of the design, I think they've refined it even further. It was already uh, a pretty slick-looking design to begin with. What they've done, they've made it even thinner into, with the Z3, the 5.2-inch. Uh, it, it's just over 7 millimetres thick, I think 7.3 millimetres thick. Mm. Uh, it's, also, it's got a more rounded edge design. Uh, the, the screen is full HD. Uh, it's also fully waterproof. It's the most uh, highest-rated waterproof smartphone in the market uh, and uh, yeah so the general look and feel got the normal quad core 2.5 gigahertz processors uh, and, and performance wise can really deliver on what the screen promises in terms of really smooth graphics uh, and a great great way to, to view videos and use apps so the whole thing supported but what people are going to be really interested in apart from all those cool features is the new battery life they're claiming this will run for two days on a single charge, which is what? just unheard of. That's outrageous. <laughs> I mean, if that is possible, and and to be clear, you know, those things always need to be tested thoroughly because the average user and, and, and factory tests and whatnot. But normally when they quote two days, and I remember Huawei did a bit of that, you do normally get a, a, an extensive day. I mean, essentially... For people that are charging their phone once or twice a day at the moment, the phones that are quoted as being two-day phones are absolutely one-day phones without concern, and it means you've just got the one charger at home, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, well, according to Sony's claims, and as as you said, we haven't tested this, and this will come out in our reviews, but they're saying that it can run two days and not just being sat in a corner and not being used. They reckon full use emails, browsing, what we normally do. And they're even saying that it even went into a third day for, for, for their testing as well. So I'm really keen to get hold of this because number one complaint among all the readers and listeners of ours is that battery life is a real, a real yeah. bugbear for them. Battery life is, is, is number one. So if this can go that long, go the distance, then, boy, it's going to really throw down the gauntlet to all these other manufacturers. All right. Now, that's a, that's a cracking-looking phone. Um, you've got all the details, all the, all the photos, all the information at techguide.com.au. Let's talk Samsung. Um, you know, this is, um, this is a head-to-head battle, Samsung and Sony at IFA. It is, absolutely. And, and I'll, I'll just touch on, just before we go over to Samsung, Sony also have some wearable products, too. We should talk about the SmartWatch sure. 3 which is uh, running Android Wear. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's their, it's their first, because before they had kind of like a trimmed down version of Android on their previous models of the smartwatch. The, the design's been really modified. It looks a lot slicker. Running Android Wear, of course, it's waterproof. Got GPS on board, four gigabytes of data storage on board as well. So you can put music on it and listen to it wirelessly without the need for your phone. Describe, the, describe new... the look of it for me. Describe, you know, circle, square, what are we looking at? Yeah, it's still got a square screen, yeah. but the edges, like before, remember, it was really square and angular. Mm-hmm. Now it's still got a square display, but it's got more rounded edges on the, in the corners. Right. So it's kind of taken a design cue from the Xperia Z3 phones as well. Mm-hmm. But their other wearable, which is an exciting one too, is the Smart Band Talk. And it has a little 1.4-inch 
e-ink screen. So similar to the screen that you'd find on your Kindle yeah. or an e-reader. And what that the advantage of that is Battery. that it uses hardly any power mm. and also in bright sunlight is going to be clear as day. So really, really good use of that technology. It's, and it's called the SmartBand Talk for a reason. You can actually use it to make your calls, receive your calls, so you can... Paired to your smartphone, you have that capability, along with all your notifications and all those other things as well. So um, that's a pretty full portfolio from Sony. They also launched a compact tablet, an 8-inch Xperia Z3 Compact, which is basically a, a, a shrunk-down version of the Xperia Z2 tablet, uh, but it's an 8-inch screen. So uh, keep an eye out for that as well. Very nice stuff, and I think that's really interesting with the the talk band because um, this whole fitness thing, the smartwatch thing, they've got the Huawei. You know, we've got all these devices now. It's trying to work out what there's basically going to be a device for everyone. So that's a really exciting time for wearables. So um, Aoife, Aoife's um, big kind of press conference is uh, happening as we speak. Let's talk about the Samsung stuff that um, that has been announced. Well, Samsung, well, some of their products, there's four main products they're going to be talking about, and two of them we kind of knew going in that we were going to see them, and that, that is the, the Galaxy Note 4 mm-hmm. and the, uh, the Galaxy Gear S smartwatch, which, which I've already written about that was kind of preempted. Samsung were really pretty unsubtle about the hints about the Galaxy S4. But uh, it, it has been released with a, a slightly larger screen, 5.7-inch screen, Quad HD, so it's got a resolution of 2560 by 1440, uh, and it's got slightly different designs. So it's got steel edging, that similar sort of textured leather back panel. Uh, it's also got the S Pen, which is why it's called the Note in the first place, but it does have added capabilities. The S Pen now can be used on the screen like a mouse, so you can drag and drop with it, uh, and there are also new pen strokes like a fountain pen, calligraphy pen, so really aimed at the power user. What um what what's the big thing about the S Watch because that um that's obviously and we'll talk about Apple shortly but this is a really important space and Samsung have the best kind of smartwatch in the market I think in terms of design the the gear um was was a great design but the Android Wear has kicked into that so it's a again interesting space where does this one it sit? is well the Gear S uh, still it's not it's not running Android Wear it's still Samsung's mm-hmm. own little operating system so there Samsung are clearly staking a claim that. You know, we sell more smartphones than anyone. We want to sell more smartwatches than anyone. So they're really sort of trying to protect that territory. There are a couple of, I think, I think there's a version of the gear that runs Android Wear, but the Gear S has really taken it to the next level. It's got this amazing two-inch curved AMOLED screen. If you look on Tech Guide, there's pictures of me wearing it. Mm. Really nice display. And with that extra screen real estate, it, it gives you added room to scroll, to read more text. You can even, the screen's now big enough for you to easily type on the screen as well. So it's really taken it to the next level. One thing you won't find, though, on the Gear S smartwatch is the camera. And the reason for that is that the curved screen kind of took up all the room and there was nowhere to put the camera. Ah, so yes. If, if that's a feature you like on your smartwatch, the Gear S, sadly, is not going to include it. I don't think that's a bad thing, to be honest. It's not, not no, a loss, not especially all. if you're getting a better phone. But isn't the Gear S also got a SIM card in it? It does, yeah. It's got a nano SIM on board, so it can work technically independent of your phone. Now, I asked the question. I said, look, how does you can't have your same number at the moment on two different SIM cards. And Samsung's response to that was, well... That's now up to the telco. So obviously Samsung are going to put plenty of pressure on them to be able to enable that capability because if you did have one uh, one number on two SIMs, then you could say, for example, take the Gear S 
you're just wearing it just down to the shops or to drop off your son or daughter or whatever you need to do and still be in contact with your calls and your messages. And then when you come back, of course, they, they pair by Bluetooth and you get the full experience. So that would be interesting to see uh, if, if uh, the, the telcos cooperate with that. And I'm pretty sure that if they can see a, man- a way of making money out of it, I think they'll go out of their way to do it. Mm, very interesting stuff. So that's, uh, that's cool. So but, a couple, uh, of, couple other things from Samsung? Yes, there was. Yeah, well, this is a cool new smartphone. It's called the Galaxy Note Edge, and it's actually got a curved display. So picture, if you will, the Galaxy Note 4, so similar specs to the Note 4. And the right-hand edge of the screen doesn't have a usual bezel. It's got a curved uh, – the screen curves down to the side of the phone. So you've got your normal flat surface. The curved surface acts as a kind of like a dock that you can actually scroll that curve and it can give you little notifications, access different apps. Uh, It'll run messages across the top, say you're watching a movie, and the notifications will run along that curved right edge. So it it does look a little bit unusual, and they're saying it's going to be a niche product and may not be available in all territories. I'd say Australia being one of those major markets for Samsung, we're likely to get it. Mm. But it is a quirky design. I think it's a bit of a... Bit of a hit or miss there. It's, bit of a gimmick. Uh, yeah, it is a little bit gimmicky, but but I can see the uses for it though. Where the side, the edge of the screen there, the curved edge, does become your your shortcut panel. It's similar. It reminds me of the you know on your Mac how you got your dock that it, yes. it just appears when you need it. It's can can act similar to that where you got all your apps down the side rather than having along the bottom. So you're making full use of the full screen and having that as like a little docking, a little dock on the right-hand side. So Mm. it's going to have its uses. Of course, it's going to be open to developers as well for them to come up with their uses for it. But uh, keep an eye out for that, the Galaxy Note Edge. Very nice. I've I've seen some some leaked pics of that over over time. I... Again, it's one of those things you just think they're chest-beating about their, their ability to do it. So interesting stuff yeah, from, from Samsung. It is. Well, one last thing, though, Trev, from Samsung, and this is the Samsung Gear VR. What? Now, VR is virtual short for reality. virtual reality. Oh, no. So it's kind of an Oculus-type headset oh, that gives you that 2D and 3D experience, immersive viewing and gaming. But the thing here's the thing. There's no screen in the VR. What you do is actually put your Galaxy Note 4 inside it, and that becomes the screen for the device. So that'll keep the price down. Google Cardboard? Your your Note 4 will will go straight in there. Yeah, well... Uh, interesting. I, I did have a I did have a go of of the Gear Four. Had a had a I whacked it on like wearing a massive pair of goggles. The, I looked a bit like RoboCop, yeah. but uh, it it worked it worked really well. I was very impressed actually with the experience. And you can turn and look up and down and see this three hundred sixty degree uh, this three hundred sixty degree world. It's quite immersive. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm just yeah. Google had their cardboard thing. That's essentially the same thing. So now Samsung's made a product that is. Built around, uh, yeah. I'm not not a big fan of virtual reality, so I'll I'll be um, I'll be torn on that one. And uh, interesting to see whether it has any success or whether again it's just one of those things that you do as a lost leader as a company to show that you're doing stuff that others aren't doing. And just quickly before we wrap up on IFA, uh, tell me about IFA as a show. You've got is it is it similar to CES? You've got to do the press conferences, and then there's a show floor to spend your days walking around. 
That's exactly right. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's it's a slightly different or major, very different layout to CES. It's every company has their own hall, so each hall is like a pretend. Imagine the big booths uh, at CES, and that each one of them was, was in its own little hall, and right. each hall leads into the other. So typical German efficiency, mate. It's a lot easier to get around the show. <laughs> uh, there, there are a heap of press conferences before the show begins uh, on the stands as well. A lot of them are on the stand. Uh, you get a chance to look pre-show at the product as well. But, yeah, similar setup. There's stands and there's all the new devices on the booths and booth tours uh, and, and every company just sort of uh, showcasing their new products in the lead-up to Christmas. All right. Stephen Fennick has all the news and information from IFA on techguy.com.au. Check it out now while you're walking to work. If you're driving to work, just remember, when you get to work, first thing to do, techguy.com.au. Well, we can't go past the uh, the other news of the week, uh, and we'll talk about the iCloud drama in a minute. Um, we will cover that. But uh, Apple has announced their event next week, and, um, you know, if very much uh, predictable in many ways, uh, the time away from the, the event uh, in terms of the number of dev- days that the invites were sent out and whatnot. The invitation for the 9th of September in America at 10 a.m. at the Flint Centre for the Performing Arts, 3 a.m. Sydney time on Wednesday next week, um, uh, was sent out on Friday, and it says, we wish we could say more. Now, first and foremost, um, I read that as being we are going to get something something different, something exciting here. I think we wish we could say more means we're going to say more. This is more than just what you've been reading about in terms of leaks. And, and I think that's great. The second thing, Stephen, is the Flint Centre for the Performing Art is a very interesting venue because it's only been used three times before, and one of those was the original Mac unveiled by Stephen Jobs in 1984. And the, one of the other ones was the, the little Bondi Blue iMac. So this is, a, this is a very important venue. It's also a very large venue, mate. Yes, right, yeah. And, uh, and the good news is that the two blokes talking tech are going to both be there. So we're excited about that. But uh, you're right. I think the significance of this venue really, I think that's sort of making a statement as well. Apple are kind of saying, well, look, mm. we, re- we launched a Mac here. We launched the Bondi Blue Mac here, which are pretty significant devices for their, in their history. And we're ready to create history again with a new, totally new category of product. I think the, the rumors, the rumors are obviously around the iPhones have been pretty constant. We kind of know there's going to be two iPhones, a 4.7, a 5.5. But the other product that we're all hoping and, and, and anticipating is whether they release the new iWatch or give us at least a glimpse mm. of the iWatch. It could well be that here's the iWatch, won't be available till next year, but at least we'll kind of know Apple finally will show their cards in this space. We just spent a few minutes talking about Samsung and Sony's wearable products. Here's a space where Apple is their, – their silence is deafening in this right. space. Mm. Finally, are we going to get a chance to see it? Yeah, no, I, look, you know, it's one of those things. It's all about rumour and speculation. We know nothing, but we, we assume things. I do think we will, we will see the uh, something else and hope that it's an iWatch, and I think you're right. I think we'll, we'll see it, but we won't see it in stores until later in the year, probably a very, very staggered release starting this year, maybe only in America in November or so. Um, but they'll, they'll tease the world with it, which will create enough buzz for them. But uh, just once again, um, to put final cards on the table, 4.7 is as big as they'll go, mate. Okay, so you don't think they're going to get 5.5. Okay, well, no, that will have to be a little side bet. That'll be a side bet that the two blokes can have. Not a chance. But um, 
I think Apple in the, in this instance, I think it's it's very hard for Apple to keep a secret anymore. The rumors, the rumor is real is so strong. There's so much attention on the company that I find that that their biggest problem they have is managing expectations and trying to surprise people. They're, they're hopefully the iWatch will provide that surprise. There's been very little rumors and leaked photos about this product. So I'm hoping they can really pull one out of the hat and say, right here it is. There were no rumors of it or the look of it, I want them to be able to still provide that surprise because that, that's really the anticipation around it. That's what it's all about. And I think that's that's what's really interesting if they do announce an iWatch is that they've basically accepted and possibly even um, worked with the, the rumours and leaks to basically create a distraction. Um, and, and, and if there was no leaks, then we'd be looking for anything. So if they're able to bring the iWatch to market, it may prove a whole new production chain, a whole new distribution chain um, on yeah. a much tighter leash. That could be very interesting. Yeah, so. that could be too. I'm even thinking it may even be constructed in the US. Remember that? that that's Mac right. Pro yes. In the US. Yes. I think that they want to keep a tighter control of that. You know, rather than having a factory in China where it could be leaking like a sieve, yep. they've at least got a, a way to control the, the flow of information from their own factory but um yeah i think it's going to be an interesting time now i think we've i've stated in the past and i'll say it again i do think there'll be two phones a 4.7 and and a 5.5 you're going to have the iphone air and the iphone pro Mm. that's my call right here so uh whether you agree or not is another thing but let's just i'm putting it out there that's my pick. No, and I'm I'm happy to uh, to have that pick and little side bet for a, maybe a bottle of wine for Joe again. I'll lose as always. Um, <laughs> and 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 I say two phones, an iPhone six, which will be the the standard size phone, possibly redesigned, but more likely just you know, standard size phone. And then a second phone. Oh no, I'm happy to call it iPhone um, Air, uh, which will be four point seven inches. I just think five point five is a ludicrous size that not even that only the Galaxy Note has. You know, it's it's not even a big market. I don't see Apple going there. And um, and that's where we'll find out next week. But the two blokes, as you say, will be there. We will uh, we will record live on the day of the event and get a podcast out to you as quickly as we can, uh, live from Cupertino at the Flint Centre for Performing Arts after we've had uh, uh, Tim Cook's uh, keynote and then a hands-on with whatever devices are announced, if anything's announced. Obviously, it could just be a, hi, we're just Apple, but we doubt that. <laughs> uh, that'd be pretty remarkable. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long. And we do it all each and every week. Thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au. And if you're looking for uh, home wireless solutions, uh, you have to check out the Netgear Nighthawk X6. This is a stunning router. Looks amazing. Uh, talking to Patrick Lowe about the design, uh, it's a real evolution for the company, in a revolution for the company in, in recent years, the design they've put into these things. The Nighthawk X6 is a tri-band Wi-Fi router. There's never been Wi-Fi like it. Uh, This is breakthrough tri-band Wi-Fi technology that was built to connect to each and every device in your home automatically and simultaneously. And in those upper bands, it actually helps you by automatically moving devices among its networks so that you get the best speed across your devices. Check it out at netgear.com.au or in your local retail stores. You can't miss it. It's a a beautiful-looking device. Once you've seen it, uh, you probably won't want anything else. netgear.com.au So, mate, uh, we, we can't really talk this week without talking about the celebrity photo scandal. And this is interesting because 
on the very first day this occurred, I start getting calls from radio stations saying, we want to talk about iCloud. And I'm like, whoa, calm down, people. Um, we know nothing yet. Um, and they were all calling it an iCloud hack. And I, I spent a bit of time trying to say iCloud wasn't hacked. Um, individuals were attacked. Um, their accounts were compromised. Uh, and Apple's even confirmed that now that basically these celebrities were targeted. Um, brute force, just try and get the password through reminders or, or sheer sheer number of attempts um, the only thing that, that I can find, and Apple hasn't commented on it, the only thing that I can find that Apple could have done differently was they allowed multiple login attempts instead of just a limited number, and that may have allowed people to get through in, in a more seamless way. But in the end, it's a pretty big um, damning uh, indictment on the cloud, and that's been the conversation I've been having in the media most of this week is people are now worried about the cloud, and they're thinking, well, what do I do and how do I turn it off? Yeah, I think uh, you know, it has really raised that raised that issue of, of on, online like cloud security and and whenever iCloud was mentioned, there was a lot of people on social media that were were a bit suspicious of it. That were saying, "Oh, thanks a lot, iCloud." You know, so Apple had a bit of work to do here in terms of. Uh, getting the right story out there, or you know, the correct story out there. Hmm. They they did release a press release to to, to say, well, yeah, uh, it was it were the passwords, not of the Apple systems that were compromised. So I wrote I wrote a, a, a little story as as you did on EFTM about how it, could this happen to you? And and the basic analogy I I put on my story was that iCloud is like this really expensive safe. And your password is a lock you put on that safe. Now, if you've got a million dollar safe and a two dollar lock, then the lock's going to be the weakest link, and that's where they're going to get in. So that was that was kind of how I explained it to people who weren't quite aware of how this compromise happened. So it does go to show, if anything, we should take a learn a lesson that our passwords need to be different for each account. They need to be not, not simple to, enough to be guessed. Um, in the case of the celebrities, though, like they're pretty public figures. Uh, you could probably guess a lot of their past, uh, their email addresses, which ends up being their login addresses. Um, but I think it may even go further than just the pictures. Now, you've got to remember that iCloud also serves as online backups as well, so oh, not just for mate, pictures. That is they could have access to address books. So absolutely. In the in the case of Jennifer Lawrence, like she they might have got into her address book and seen all the email addresses for all her celebrity friends and they were next on the list. So it kind of it, it sprouted from there. So these hackers, I agree with what you said though, the brute force attempt you know, the, the the drawbridge should have just come straight down on these hackers after, say, five or ten attempts, uh, and then the user alerted. So, you know, I think there's a bit of work to do there. I don't think, like, Apple are, are without blame in terms of the system, but I think that the, they could learn a lesson in trying to overcome these brute force attacks. Yep, and look, the, the other advice that people are now getting and giving is the two-factor authentication is something you should look up, and I've written about that on EFTM. But interesting, and, and let's let's end on this because we, 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 we want to get to a couple other things, but you're, you're absolutely right about what else they got access to because what people, and frankly, a lot of our, our peers have missed is that you don't just get into iCloud and get photos. You can't even see your photos when you log into iCloud on the web, right? There's no photo access. The only sharing of easy sharing of photos is photo stream. And so if the photos were in the last 30 days, they probably would have got easy access to them. But many of these comments were about them being old photos. Now, if they were old photos, it means they got into iCloud, they downloaded a backup, 
and they probably restored the, the backup onto a phone and just sat there looking through text messages, email addresses, contacts, everything. Yeah, well, it, it does that, – that, that's a scary thought. And, you know, whether you're a celebrity or just your average person yeah. on the street, that's a worry that, that there are people that, 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 that it's possible to do that. So I think – And the key is the, these before, celebrities were targeted. They're not targeting Joe oh, Blow from Blacktown. Yeah. Um, but everyone, yeah. should, everyone should be aware. My, last thing I'll say is, look, you've you got photos. You've got something valuable. You've got it in your house. You make sure you lock the front door. You have key lock windows, and you probably have an alarm. You know, th- those are the kind yeah. of household things you do. Having only a lock on the front door and no alarm and no key locks on the windows is like not having two-factor authentication. I encourage people to read about it, learn about it, and and try to implement it as many places as they can. I've written about it at eftm.com.au. Good place to research and uh, and just learn about authentication and the cloud because not it's you, should, you shouldn't yeah. be worried, but you should be aware. Two blokes. Yeah, and one just yep. one last thing. Sorry, Trevor, that. You know, if if you are into taking nude photos, have a good password because you don't want them getting out of there, okay? Maybe uh, <laughs> if you – rule of thumb, I think, especially if you're a celebrity, don't share photos and take pictures of things that you wouldn't be comfortable seeing on the front page of the newspaper. Pretty so much. be careful out there. Yeah, take it easy out there on the internet, people. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long. The uh, a new brand has entered Australia with uh, in the smartphone market, and this brand is actually known uh, in other areas of technology. The brand's Oppo, which is a Chinese manufacturer, pretty big. Uh, I've actually got an Oppo Blu-ray player, which is a really high-quality Blu-ray player. They also make very good audio products as well. Well, they've decided to introduce their new range of smartphones into the growing Australian market. Now, uh, there's four in the range. There's a quite quite a, a mixture of prices. They start as low as $219 and go all the way up to $719. I don't know why they love the number 19, but anyway, that's how they <laughs> price it. But uh, I quite like these devices, Trevor. I think that the, the quality you're getting at the top end uh, is, is uh, I think, uh, pretty good value for money. Now, it's not, it's not a cheap kind of Kogan standard phone or, or one of those cheaper brands. It does bring quality to the table. Uh, and a brand that obviously people haven't experienced in the smartphone space but may have experienced in other spaces, I think they look pretty good. I'm going to put it out there and say that when you look at smartphones, and you made a good example, Kogan. Let, let's name a couple, Kogan, um, you know, Motorola. There's, there's a lot of good smartphones out there. Let's call them the Mazdas and the Fords and the Holdens. Then you've got Apple and Samsung. They're your Mercedes and your, and your, and your BMW, right? I look at Oppo and I, you feel it. And it it's, it's, a, it's a reasonable premium look and feel. It's like Lexus, right? And you remember 20 years ago when Lexus was first coming out, it was like, what's this thing Toyota's doing? They're just putting more effort into design, into into quality of materials, and that's what you get. I think you get a premium feel on these things without the overall premium price and and brand label. So, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Right. I think they're quite nice. Absolutely, yeah, and I think that there's some pretty nice features too you'll find on board. I quite like the uh, the N1 Mini has a rotating camera, so the the camera can be rotated 195 degrees. From the front to the back, mm. so you can you can you know how you want to take a selfie. You can actually twist the main camera around. Great in the front for celebrities, and and take and take it, yeah, but keep your clothes on. <laughs> but uh, I think that's a, a quirky feature that people may respond to. Not many devices out there have that kind of feature, so I think that with a combination of sort of the the curiosity of a new brand and these these competitive prices. I think Oppo are going to be doing some solid business in Australia. At the moment, you can only go through their website, 
which I've linked on Tech Guide, oppomobile.com.au. But it'll eventually come through the retail space or maybe even through the operators. But again, for people who want to buy an outright product, these offer pretty good uh, value at a reasonable price. And my pick on that will be the Neo 5. It's a, it's a great little phone. 4G gives Kogan a kick in the guts because it's a 4G phone for $219. So check them all out at techguide.com.au. Now, Stephen, we'll, uh, we'll cover the uh, Jabra headphones next time because they're good and we, we will talk about them when we're back in the country, but we need to wrap up with your minute reviews and uh, kick that off with uh, yet another tablet. But this one from LG, nice-looking device, the LG G-Pad 10.1. The G-Pad 10.1. Now, cast your mind back to last year, they had the G-Pad 8.3, which I think was, a, was an underrated tablet. I really, I really enjoyed using that device, and uh, my review reflected that. Now, they've brought out now the 10.1 which is, uh, is uh, I think, a pretty well-priced device. It's only $399, so it offers the, not, not only a bigger screen, but also a number of features that it's inherited from the G3. Now, screen-wise, you're not going to have the same quality as that beautiful quad HD screen on the G3. You do have a, still a HD quality screen, but it's not in the same league as the G3. That being said, though, there are some features that, that the G, it has inherited from the G3, including a new feature called the Q-Pair. And this works with any Android device. It doesn't have to be an LG. It's a, similar to Galaxy's, uh, the Samsung's uh, Q-Pair. Their, their, um, I can't even remember the name of their pairing feature on the mm. Galaxy Tab S. But the Q-Pair lets you connect your phone to the tablet and then be able to get all your notifications. You can... You can screen calls. You can't answer calls, but it does give you an idea of who's calling you, what messages you're receiving, what notifications you're receiving as well. Uh, it doesn't have 802.11 AC. It's still 802.11 N. Bluetooth 4.0. Now, it's got an 8,000 milliamp hour battery, which is uh, pretty solid for uh, eight, eight hours of solid viewing of movies and a couple of days of casual use as well. But I think not a bad price for a 10.1-inch tablet. Three ninety nine, and you can read my review at Tech Guide. Beautiful, and uh, TechGuide.com that I use the website. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. I'm even nervous to say the name of this thing, the Chug Plug. <laughs> well, this is a, real, a portable battery. It's a product I've never seen before. Now, you've heard of portable batteries for smartphones. There's there's dozens of them on the market. This is the first I've seen for a MacBook. Now, Apple are very, very particular about any third-party companies providing charges or, or adapters for their laptops. Now, what Chug Plug does, it kind of gets literally in the middle of their charging system. So you know how you've got your little power brick that leads to the magnetic adapter on the computer, and then on the back of the brick, you can actually take off that cable, uh, and that goes into the power point. So the Chug Plug actually sits in the middle. So if you want to charge it, you need to put the PowerPoint end into, because it's kind of shaped like the MacBook brick anyway, the power brick. You put the back end uh, on the cable that leads to the PowerPoint to charge. It takes four hours to charge, and you get four hours of use on the go. And then the other end connects directly to the brick where the cable uh, used to go, and that then directs your power straight into your MacBook. It only works with the MacBook Air, 
and the 13-inch MacBook Pro. So that's the 45-watt and 60-watt MacBooks. It doesn't work with the 15-inch MacBook Pro with Retina, which, as you guessed it, is the one I'm using. So it doesn't work on my computer. <laughs> but uh, my daughter does have a MacBook Air, and it works a treat for her. She's a uni student and sometimes needs a bit of charge on the go. So the sort of product that uh, a user, like an on-the-go user would use. The Chug Plug, available from Harvey Norman stores. They're priced at one ninety nine ninety five. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long. All right, that's a wrap for a semi-international edition uh, of Two Blokes Talking Tech with Stephen Fennick over in IFA. You can follow Stephen's coverage at techguide.com.au and follow him on Twitter, Stephen Fennick, or at Tech Guide. And Stephen will be together next week uh, in uh, Cupertino, uh, America, to uh, check out the Apple announcement uh, midweek. Yes, we will. It's going to be exciting times there. All right, we'll talk to you then. And thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Tell your friends and uh, tweet us. Ziggy Zaggy's the hashtag.